Okay, apologies all, this isn't the classroom based experience. I can't see all your attentive faces while I'm recording this, but I did promise to do these last two sections and maybe a couple more. So this is section 11, which is testing, which is quite important for all of you really on the exam. So first thing is R11.1, the purpose of testing digital components. So the purposes, what are the purpose of testing? A lot of this is reasonably common sense, I would imagine, but first of all, functionality. Again, this is just going through the, the core element stuff. Uh, if you can't test systems to make sure they do what they're supposed to do, i.e. the functionality, can they open up properly? Can they store things if they're supposed to be internet ready? Can they use the internet fast and frequency, etc., etc.? So the purpose of testing functionality is the software do what it does. Is the hardware as quick as it should be? Does it work the way it's supposed to be in terms of the manufacturing? So that's the functionality. Then usability. So digital components, if you think about your phones, are they as easy to use as you were sold uh, by that guy down at Tesco's or are there some other problems you need to know about and usability obviously now and again will be improved as you're given updates to the software usually software or firmware updates if it's hardware based uh, compatibility does the device if your device is sold to you or you know again for tech support in order to work with every operating system and you find out it doesn't work with Macs or whatever then obviously it's not compatible with enough things and it should say on the actual instructions it will only work with this piece of software or hardware. Accessibility, increasingly this is the WCAG regulations. If people with disabilities can't access the piece of equipment for whatever reason, then it's not been designed properly. And there are laws and regulations, which is another unit, which will come into play. Um, and there may be questions on the exam along the lines of, you know, how would you determine if a piece of equipment is compatible with such and such or has the right accessibility level? So those are the types of things you need to sort of revise. And then uh, next one, customer slash client end user satisfaction. So generally, these days people will give thumbs ups and stars and things on websites to explain if, particularly if you go and shop on some websites, which I won't mention, you can actually go on there and you can see people that review them. They say it works really well for me, or this was a problem, or that was a problem. But overall, they'll give a satisfaction level. And generally on those websites these days, like anything else, you'll have a a sort of traditional bell curve. There'll be people that really hate it. There'll be most people that think it's okay. There'll be a few people just really love it. Um, but again, if you're in terms of technical support, if you get loads and loads of dissatisfactions from your end users and clients, and you need to address those problems and go back to the equipment and make sure it's working properly in terms of testing. Uh, then fault finding and debugging. Generally, systems will have um, beta testing, alpha testing, etc, etc, then they'll have a release candidate, go through that sort of process. But, you know, hopefully you find as many faults or bugs as possible before it goes public. But there's always going to be one or two that are still there that haven't been picked up or that the clients find that you don't. But it's a continuous process. You find faults, you fix them, that might break other things and make new bugs. So you're just continuously doing that. So the purpose of testing is to find problems and fix them as much as possible. Uh, impact assessment, if that comes up in the exam, is along the lines of if we are to release this piece of things, in terms of change management in an organisation, if you release a new piece of kit or you introduce a new piece of kit, what's the impact going to be? And again, if you think about at college, if the college suddenly decided to switch all the, lap all the machines in college across to Linux, obviously there'd be a huge boost in performance, but initially people would be a bit uh, scratching their head, they wouldn't know how to work, so the impact would be quite severe, but generally uh, that would be mitigated over time. Uh, efficiency of individual components. Again, if you've got a multi-complex device, some things will work well, some others won't. Think about your own PC machine. 
um, it may be one of the components is the bottleneck and if you're doing upgrades to your own PCs or, or again in a customer's PCs is it the hardware that's the hard drive that's not working properly is it the RAM that's not fast enough is it the CPU is it the graphics card is it the internet connection all those things so again individual components may make a big effect and as you probably all know just adding a new uh, SD drive to your machine will make it significantly faster that's a big impact in terms of a overall performance uh, then efficiency of individual components you know um, increasingly these days we're, we're going for a, a green agenda trying to save energy um, more and more components particularly the CPUs and, and GPUs are trying to be less and less power hungry because there's so many computers now that are using all this energy and we need to make it more efficient so how efficient are the individual components there's loads of diagnostics tools you can use to see what their um, consumption is in terms of energy, how fast they are, what impact they have on the overall performance of the computer. And if you look at, I think we looked at the um, stuff on our server online, it, it shows you how much percentage of each program is using the CPU. You can do the same thing on your home PC with Task Manager. It tells you what's using all the energy, what's using all the uh, RAM, what's using the hard drive the most, all those types of things. And you can then try to tweak it, maybe remove components that are making a problem that are not necessary. Uh, reviewing the accuracy of data. This is more for uh, Louis and Alex, presumably. But in general terms, you know, if you're monitoring a system, how accurate you know that data is that's coming out? Can you do some tests of the log files to make sure that what you think is performance indicators is actually performance indicators? So again, how accurate is that data? Is it uh, some anomaly? Is there some bug in the program which is outputting huge performance increases which are not realistic? So you've got to double check things like anything else in terms of the internet or, or information in general. How accurate is it and, and can it be reliably um, used? Next one then, ensuring desired outcomes, service or product. Again, you're doing all of this stuff as tech support or whatever it is you're doing in order to make sure the customers are happy. So if you install a new piece of system, hardware or software into a uh, client's system, has it produced the outputs or the service that they, rec that they particularly wanted? Was the outcome successful or not? And what kind of measures are you using against that? So just thinking about those. And related to that next bullet point, performance monitoring. Um, if you're telling your client that you're going to do all these things to increase the performance of their uh, company's equipment, can you tell them hand on heart that there is an a performance increase? So again, log files, performance indicators, diagnostic tools. Is it having the desired effect? If not, what's the problem? So performance monitoring, because you will be setting those targets and they will check you against those targets. You need to make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, questions on the exam might be along the lines of, you know, what, how would you use performance monitoring systems for a client's um, benefit? So along the lines of, I would use performance monitoring to, to back up what I said. If I said the system is going to be 50% faster, then I'm going to show them a performance log showing it loads 50% faster or whatever. Uh, the next subsection then is digital components, again, in terms of testing. And this is um, the, the range of things that you would test. So first of all, first and foremost, I suppose, software. As you know from the employer set project, you know, in terms of those projects, if you're doing some overall testing, the first thing you do is, you know, does the software work? Does it load properly? Does the operating system have any bugs or problems? If you do performance monitoring on it, is there any issues that are obvious that can be fixed? In terms of hardware, you can do diagnostics on the hard drive. Is it reading and writing to the standard specification? If it's an SSD drive, does it do, you know, 50, 60 or 100, whatever megabits a second? And you can run diagnostics tools to make sure that checks uh, internet connectivity. You can run those checks. Is it fast as it says it is? If, if the Wi-Fi 
is rated at x megabits is it doing x megabits a second etc so you can test all those things and the other thing with hardware and software problems you know there's firmware updates and software updates will fix some of those bugs so you need to be constantly checking that you're making sure that stuff works properly uh, in digital commands then data is, is the data that's being stored and collected the right type of thing so you can do some again some tests and checks to make sure that is effective uh, and the data isn't something that's meaningless sometimes there'll be a bug in a program which is recording things unnecessarily and making it look like it's working but it's not uh, the next one then is interfaces so if you're plugging in external devices is that interface working if, if you're using devices like um, tablets um, the writing tablets that connect into those things or VR those types of interfaces are they working properly some some systems will use um, you know interfaces for checking monitor uh, temperatures and things like that so do those work properly and then finally um, I don't know necessarily that you do a lot of this but test scripts in when you're this is probably Again, I'm not familiar with Windows, but in, in Linux land, you can create a test script which will uh, install a piece of software or run a, a diagnostic in the latest Linux magazine, um, which came out, this is May, obviously, May, June. There was a, um, somebody had written a really nice test script for a Linux system which actually installs all the associated software and drivers and configurations so that you just do a one command line install and it, it sets up a, an email server on your system. So. Again, you'd run that test script and see that it did everything and check all the logs and make sure you had a working system at the end. So test scripts. And you could write a piece of test code saying, load this piece of software, make sure it talks to that piece of hardware and, and give you some feedback then. So a test script is something that would, would incorporate all those elements to give you some sort of feedback. So next one then is 11.2, uh, the process of applying root cause analysis to problems. So root cause analysis is basically working your way up through the most uh, obvious and simple through to more complex and again you can eliminate things as you work your way through so and this goes through in, in a linear fashion so first of all define the problem what is it you're trying to solve or what is it that's in front of you and that would you know automatically determine how simple or complicated it might be so once you've defined the problem again sit down write down what is the nature of it what types of things should I be fixing what's going to be the end result those types of things so you need to define it in order to know what tools are required and what support you might need Next one then, collect, uh, collecting data relating to the problem. So again, if you go to the customers and say, what is it you're actually experiencing? Or you might do some tests yourself, run one of those test scripts we just talked about to gather the data saying, what is it that I'm looking at here and what kind of problem am I deal dealing with? Once you've collected all that data, uh, you then identify what caused the problem. So the data might be quite straightforward where the data tells you that the problem is that there's a wrong driver or outdated piece of software code for the internet card or whatever it might be. So again, looking at the, the data you've collected might, and talking to people might identify some of the problems. In most cases, you might be able to stop at that point. If that doesn't work, move to the next one, prioritise what the causes might be. Some, some problems are quite simple. It's just a piece of software that's wrong or hardware is not plugged in properly, like a piece of RAM. But sometimes it might be a load of different causes, so you might then prioritise. So if it's a hardware issue and it appears to be related to memory, then your priority in terms of the causes might be looking at the memory, if it's plugged in, if it's the right configuration, if the bars have been set incorrectly or whatever. Next one then, identify solutions to the underlying problem. Once you've, once you've done through this root cause analysis, you've got to the point where you've got most of the causes identified uh, or, um, and what's causing these different things. You can then figure out solutions uh, and maybe then you can actually prioritise the solution. So if I do this, I do this, bit by bit you work away 
one thing if you've got five problems as you go through one two three by that point you may have solved the whole thing but you might have to go right the way through so that identifying solutions for the problems gives you a sequence uh, once you've fixed all the problems then the next one is implementing the change so you might do this on a test system in terms of web-based technology most organizations have what's called a sand pit so again our our Moodle site the organization that runs it they'll have a mirror copy of our Moodle site and if we ask them to install a piece of software or a new module they'll do it on the actual sand pit they'll test it with loads of things before they roll it out into the real site so again implement change don't just and again this is a classic problem because you can do it at home you just think you can do it in work um, you install a piece of software in your home machine it seems to work and updates so you you go to work and you install it on the server and it breaks everything because the server's got totally different configuration so again do testing implement the change in stages test it test it test it before you roll it out and then the final thing then monitoring and sustaining so once you've implemented all this change once you've tested this thing and fixed all these problems then you make sure that it works over a period of time it could be a week or a day or a month or six months or whatever it depends on the nature of the problem <clears throat> and then make sure you can sustain it so has that change fixed things over a period of time and do you have things in place to make sure that you can keep it going forever and ever and again in terms of a question on the exam it might be something along the lines of give a rough overview of what the root cause analysis sequence is so you'd have to mention some of those bullet points on 11.2 or it might be you know um, <clears throat> Why do you think this is a useful thing to do? How would you use it in a situation? So you'd have to give some examples. I would identify the cause of the problem, it might be hardware, software, etc. I'd prioritise what the causes are and how to fix them, and I'd sustain and monitor it over time. Alright, so next one, 11.3, testing methods and their application in the digital sector. So first of all, this is just a, a range of things that you would do uh, in order to apply these testing methods. So these are just approaches, if you like frameworks, approaches, um, ideas, things that work over time. So the first one, we've got bullet points and sub-bullet points. The first one is concept testing. So a concept is obviously an idea. You don't know necessarily it's going to work, but you think it might work. So you apply that concept. Uh, and then underneath that, scoping and validating requirements. If you believe that might be a, a good way to do things, then you do what's a scoping exercise. So scoping, if you remember from other units, is what is the, the beginning and end point of this? Do I really care? If this system um, can talk to other Mac systems that may be out of scope so you, you may be only focusing on a Windows type environment and don't care about it talking to Macs or those might be in scope or they might not be so first of all scoping is looking at the range of necessary requirements and then validating those so if the scope incorporates multiple operating systems then you need to make sure that your requirements uh, do some sort of um, concept about incorporating Linux and Mac or whatever uh, informing decisions before committing time and resources to a project. So again, you'd sit down with your team and say, right, this is this is the scope. These are the requirements. We think those are valid. Does everyone on the team agree? Um, do you think that six weeks is a, is a useful amount of time? Do we have all the resources or do we need to get some external, you know, external experts in to help us? So that would be making sure informing the decision before you move forward. So that's the concept testing phase or idea. Next one, usability slash audience testing. So again, for this one, testing whether the functionality fulfills the desired outcome, you might do some surveys, questions, just go into the company and talk to all the people that work there. Um, this is what we're hoping to in include. Here's an example of it. Are you happy with that? Does that help you in your job, etc., and get some feedback from the actual users? Is that the outcome you expected? And if they say, yeah, that's great, or that's way beyond what I wanted, or no, that's not quite as much as I need. So you can then 
sort of fine-tune it a little bit. Identifying usability problems. So again, you might give some people as a test um, audience, say, try this out, give me some feedback, and they then use it, and they then tell you what some of the specific problems are that need to be fixed. And then you can fix those before you roll it out more broadly. Next bullet point under this usability, determining user satisfaction with the product. This is about doing surveys, and I think on your employer set project, you remember one of those things was was creating a survey to gather data from your users. Are you happy with the product? You know, one to ten. What do you think about it? And and user satisfaction is very important. If the customer is not happy with what you've done, then you probably won't get them back for another job. Uh, next one, slightly different focus then is stress testing. If you in, if you install a new system, um, again like the college rolled out something and they test it with, with one computer room, they think that's great, that's brilliant, let's roll it out, and then everyone logs in and they and they break it because a thousand people are hitting it at once, then it's obviously not tested for stress. And stress testing is, I mean, I gave this example before about hard drives. If you buy a hard drive these days, if you look at it, it says MTBF is 1,500 hours or a million and a half hours. That's basically, they switch it on, um, <clears throat> they simulate it being run for thousands and thousands of hours until it fails. And obviously it's statistically sort of averaged. So most hard drives will last, say, five years. Some will last 15 years and some will only last a year or whatever. But stress testing it is hammering it with like a database, just thousands and thousands of database queries for hours on end until it breaks. Um, and if it doesn't break, then you know you've got a really good system. So that's stress testing. And you'd hope that if, if it happens to in, the, in your laboratory, so to speak, then it's going to be OK once you put it into the customer's um, place. So that's stress testing. Uh, then for this is more for cybersecurity type aspects, uh, penetration testing or pen testing. You tend to see seeing, uh, listed as pen testing. Um, you want to see if your if you install a new system, is it safe uh, from vulnerabilities? You know, um, can people post root um, files on there to take control of it? Can they put trojans on there to damage it? Can they just you know will it download and install viruses? So you, you determine what the vulnerabilities are. If people can, cannot break into it, then you've you've made it a good system. Um, and then authorised attacks on systems. Most organisations will have sort of people to come in and do pen testing and they'll they'll give them various details and they'll, they'll ask them to go onto the outside world with those details and try and get into the system and try and do an unauthorised attack. So, uh, or they'll try and break in anyway. So penetration testing is, is the system safe from external attack. And related to that, I suppose the next one then is black box testing. Um, you're just testing things that you don't know what's going on inside of a, a black box. You test the inputs and outputs and you say, uh, I expect to be able to type this in. I expect this to come out without any problems. And if that if problems come out, then obviously there's something within the processing. Uh, so that's black box testing. And then measuring the functional requirements of a system. If you installed a new system, um, again, against those initial requirements, does it work properly? If people need to input certain data and output certain data, does it do all of those? And in many cases, though it's not mentioned on here, you do some sort of um, extreme testing, erroneous testing. If the system is basically for numbers, you should test it with, with characters to make sure it, it doesn't accept those and comes up with an error message saying there's numbers only, please. Uh, then we've got white box testing. So this is testing internal structure of process flows. So this is the thing that's more visible. Black box testing tends to be stuff that's invisible. You don't know what's going on inside the black box, so to speak, but you do know what comes out the other end. In white box testing, um, you want to make sure you, you can see more visibly what's going on. So you might, in white box testing, you might have, you might plug in devices within the actual internal structure of the system. 
which are gathering data and grabbing data as it goes through to make sure that if you've got process flows, um, you know that people go on, they log on to the system, it should go across to some Active Directory server, check against their credentials and come back with some information. It should then check what their credentials are and allow them onto System X, but not System Y or both systems, depending on their logins. So the internal structure and process flows would be some sort of diagram of when people log in, where can they go, what can they do, what can they say, what can they see, what can they do in terms of process. And you test all of those in sequence to make sure they all work as expected. Uh, and that concludes uh, section 11 testing.